Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> Hi, so welcome to the holiday edition. As you can see, we are all holiday. Well, I mean, if you're on YouTube, you can see we are all holidayed out. I've got my Santa mug, my stitch shirt that says Dear Santa to find naughty. And then my little Christmas tree. Luca, what you got going on? I've got my I Heart Hot Moms t-shirt. Uh, <laughs> very Christmassy. And then I have my my Santa hat um, that I got this weekend from somewhere I was working and my name was embroidered on the top of it. It's literally so cute. <laughs> I've got a little hot chocolate. And by little, I mean it's the size of my face. <laughs> oh we're kidding that thing is huge <laughs> this thing is itty bitty so i will finish this in two seconds also um there is whipped cream vodka in here just a disclaimer as you said i've also had a couple others of these also with whipped cream vodka uh, <laughs> so also, to add to the holiday spirit, I have some green. Mm -hmm. And by green for the podcast listeners, I mean weed. <laughs> um, I have same thing-ish, but in a cart one. Everything we do is legal on this podcast. Oh, yeah. 10 out of 10. Even like the murderer, if we talk about it. 100%. What did you say? <laughs> He said, everything we do on this podcast is legal. And I said, yep, the murder is and everything. <laughs> we don't do the murders. We just talk about the murders. It's true. It's true. Talking about the murders. And we murders. don't always condone them. Maybe don't sometimes. Don't condone today's killer. Yes. Yeah, we, we don't condone today's killer. There that is podcast, maybe. Not this one. <laughs> <laughs> That's just the first one. Don't cancel us, please. <laughs> uh, okay so um you know we didn't do the whole names and pronouns thing um so let's go through that um oh, yeah. I'm Amy. I use she her pronouns and this be and I'm Luca and I'm using he they mainly he they pronouns sometimes it pronouns um, basically everything except for she, her pronouns, like you can use broad pronouns for me if you want to, whatever floats your boat. We love frog here. And I mean that genuinely, I'm not joking. You can use frog pronouns for me. <laughs> um, we stand noun self pronouns here. Oh, how can... <laughs> Okay, so this past week we did a lot of Christmassy stuff over here. Um, I, my family, we own the Zoo Hobby Farm. We're on TikTok um, <laughs> uh, and Facebook, but like uh, we uh, have like sheep and bunnies and stuff like that. Um, but we had a Christmas tree and we had like a turkey and all kinds of stuff, and we collected donations from some other local businesses um and like just people in general and we donated to like a local family and we gave them basically a week's worth of food i'm pretty sure like because we it was like a 22 pound turkey and then like a shit ton of like pork i want to say 
and then like all kinds of like other food like potatoes and all that kind of stuff um and then I think clothes were donated too and it was like to a uh, somebody that was in the school in the high school I'm pretty sure so that was pretty cool um and then I worked at a little uh it was called it's called Hub City Coffee Express and Candy Company I worked there this weekend and that was pretty fun um they're a little local business um they do like they have like a bakery and they do sandwiches and obviously candy and then they do embroidery and stuff like that too um and they had a little Santa's workshop this weekend that's awesome yeah it was super cute (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I wish my week was that Christmassy (laughs) my week was very Christmassy um I'm not normally very Christmassy but (laughs) Well, when we get to the family traditions, I get pretty Christmassy, but this mm-hmm. week has not been for me. I've been home alone all week, as you know, bestie. Yeah. Um, my whole family went to Disney without me. Um, and then... Because you had to work, right? Yeah, because I couldn't get off work because, like I said, I'm okay. Yeah. Um busiest time of the year guys uh be nice to your local retail workers please we want to die um but my poor puppy um I say puppy he's five years old um he's got this problem it's like this genetic problem with his breed where his discs like they can slip out of place and then he would be completely paralyzed um and so he seemed to have like a flare-up of that and so I had to take him to the vet and now he has to be completely crated and so he is just sitting there looking at me all sad right now um Mm. doesn't appreciate being in the crate but he's fine if he's at least hanging out somewhat so other than that I've been working so much this is the first day I've had off this week um but yeah my family's coming home tonight so that's exciting i know i don't have to spend christmas eve alone yeah i thought originally i thought you were gonna have to spend christmas eve alone and i felt so bad well i do have to work tomorrow um yeah so it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world but i'm also i don't remember what we stand stand our color well I say hour. I don't work there anymore because I moved to across the country. <laughs> yeah, you moved to across. Um, but we stan our coworkers. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't remember how late I'm working. Like five or six or something. Not super late. That's not bad. Um, but then of course I'm off on Christmas. So. Yeah. I get to spend the day with my family. <laughs> I like that most businesses are starting to close on like holidays. Yeah. Although when we had Thanksgiving, Walmart was completely closed for Thanksgiving, which kind of fucking sucks. Yeah. Because it's Walmart. Um, a lot of people also don't celebrate Thanksgiving because we don't stand colonizers. Um <laughs> But, like, there's also the fact that it is a 
necessity store. Like it's it's important. Um, and they didn't close during the pandemic at all. Like when everything was closed up. So I think it's kind of odd that they closed on Thanksgiving. Like I don't think they should be open all day. And I don't think they should be making people work all day for Thanksgiving. But I think they should be open till maybe like noon. Mm-hmm. So that's just my opinion on it. I'm sure the workers might have a different opinion, but there's plenty of people that don't celebrate that holiday too. Yeah. I um, saw this post on Facebook a while back and it was a post where they, in their work, it was a sign that was printed that said, um, no time off requests will be accepted from like this date to this date mm-hmm. and it was like end of november to like midway through january or something and the person that posted it like literally said that they were a nurse in yeah. and so if you're a nurse and you work in a hospital that makes sense yeah then people were like saying that the nurses were being exploited and that they should be able to take off and spend time with their families too. But when you become a nurse, like you understand that you're probably not going to get holidays off like that. Like most hospitals have rotations. So when my mom was working full-time because she cut down to as needed um, or PRN for um, while she was doing school and stuff, Mm-hmm. Um, when she was going full time, she would have to do a holiday rotation. So it was like one year she would work Thanksgiving, Christmas Eve, New Year's Day, and Easter or something. And then it would switch the next year. And she would work Black Friday. Um, yeah, that makes sense christmas day and i feel like if you're working like that kind of job or even retail like because retail a lot of the time you will work during the holidays it's not that big of a deal to celebrate the holiday on a different day right and like it was no big of like obviously it's frustrating to have to celebrate later in the evening but we would we would wait until my mom got off work at seven sometime exactly like if you care about your family like you couldn't make that accommodation Right. And so then they were like, why don't you ask exploited nurses how they feel? And I was like, okay. I was like, when your loved one is in the hospital, you, and it's Christmas day and someone needs to take care of your loved one. You can tell my mom to go ahead and be at home with her family and let your loved one die. Right. Go ahead and tell the electric company that they don't have to work. And so then they can just go home. And then when you inevitably burn down your house trying to cook your uh, Christmas or Thanksgiving dinner over a makeshift fire, right? you can tell the fire department to not come and clean up the fire. Right. Because firefighters are volunteers too. Like I saw someone saying the same thing. Oh, firefighters and EMT and all that kind of stuff shouldn't have to work. But a lot of firefighters are volunteer and they will gladly, even though it's a holiday, they will still go out and help someone because they want to. They want to help people. Uh, one of my coworkers um, is working at the fire department on Christmas Day. 
she's volunteering yeah and a lot of people volunteer for like soup kitchens and stuff yeah so <laughs> it's just such like a crazy thing like it's a crazy mentality i guess you know yeah. And I feel like a lot of these people that complain about that kind of stuff have never worked, like, a real job. And I'm counting retail and stuff like that as a real job, too. Like, a lot of people haven't worked with people. That's... Shit. <coughs> it's draining. Or, like, fast food. Like, imagine if fast food closed. You know, how many people wouldn't even get to celebrate their holidays if fast food was closed? Because there's a lot of people that go and get, like, KFC or McDonald's or whatever for their whole family because they can't afford to do like a different kind of dinner or they don't have the time to do it well and my best friend and her family they celebrate Christmas on Christmas Eve Mm -hmm. so then Christmas is just like a day off for them but then like everything's closed pretty much so I guess that kind of leads into the next Yeah. <laughs> so our family traditions. Who's going first, Bestie? Um, you can go first. Okay. So every year for Christmas, um, if my mom isn't working, hmm. you know, pre-COVID. We're talking pre-COVID here, because mm. obviously COVID has fucked a lot of things up. Um, our normal family tradition was that we enacted a few years back is, as I had said, my mom's a nurse. So we would get up in the mornings, we would do our stockings and breakfast and open up presents. And it's me, my mom, my stepdad, and my little sister. And we spend you know the morning at home and then we all go over to my grandmother's house at some point and we do presents and stockings and you know stuff over there sometimes we eat over there instead of here it really just depends on how early we go over and then when we're all done hanging out and opening presents over there we all go home and um we kind of like chill in our like rooms and stuff for a little bit, you know, play with whatever we got, see what we got, put mm-hmm. it all away, do all that. And then we go to the hospital um, that's close by that my mom works at. And my grandfather, he does Santa in the like mall in the, in the next state in the state next door to us and so he puts on his Santa outfit and we get all Christmassied up we put on little hats and stuff and we take trays of cookies that my grandmother made to all the nurses stations and we give them to all of the nurses and um one of my favorite things that ever happened was we went to the labor and delivery unit and there was some like fresh babies and like we went to like you know the newborns and all that and Mm. he took first Christmas pictures 
with these little like one day old babies like and it was like their first Christmas they had just been born they're literally still in the fucking hospital and here comes Santa and he's taking these pictures with these babies and these parents and then there was this man that was on one of the other units and he just like he called us he saw us in the hallway he was like santa santa come here and he was this older man and we walk in and he has a santa hat on and he's just like laughing and like he's just so happy that we're all there um one year there was kids on the on the pediatric floor and they were actually, I think, going home like that day. And um, they, we took them like coloring books and candy canes. Like we took like all kinds of goodies and stuff for the kids that like were there. And it just, it made everyone's day so much better. It's mm. like, you know, they're in the hospital on Christmas. It's not the most joyous occasion and then comes Santa and what appears to be Mrs. Claus walking down the hallway and it's just it's really magical and it's my favorite thing that we've started doing and obviously we couldn't do it last year because of the pandemic but this year we're gonna get to do it again and oh that's cool I'm so excited so yeah that's my family tradition uh what's your family tradition Bessie um so obviously it's changed over the last couple of years because I've moved around and COVID and all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. but normally I think I did talk about it on the last podcast a little bit too um but normally uh Christmas Eve like we would I, I lived with my grandparents so Christmas Eve we would like do uh our gifts that we had at home um sometimes we would do them after christmas but normally we did them christmas eve um we used to decorate but my grandfather uh and i convinced my grandmother to stop doing that because we weren't home for christmas (laughs) um because we on christmas eve after we like do the gifts and stuff in the morning we would do like stockings or whatever um and then we would get in the car uh probably around eight in the morning or something like that pretty early in the morning um and we would drive over to uh my grandfather's side of the family so we would see his sister and uh, my cousins from that side of the family um and we would do their little Christmas party and then for a couple hours um pop-up would get to see all like his brothers and sisters and all that kind of stuff um and then we would go over to my aunt's house. So it's my mom's, my mom's brother's house. Um, and we would go over there and I had two little cousins. They, uh, right now they're, I think the oldest one is like 13 now. So it, uh, <laughs> yeah, he was like, he was like in high school or about to be in high school. And I'm like, what the heck? <laughs> you were like eight, like two days ago. What is this? <laughs> in middle school and I'm going through a midlife crisis at 21 <laughs> right <laughs> um 
but we would go over there and my aunt um she has a really big family so we would do a really big christmas party there'd be like at least 30 people there i'm pretty sure if not more um and that was always super fun because i never really get to see her family either um and they're all super nice people um so we hung out with them and did the christmas and then they would do like um one year i think there was like an ugly sweater uh contest and i wore like this elf sweater i was like one of the only people wearing an ugly sweater that's offensive right like there were a couple other people doing it but i think i was like one of the only ones at least to my memories Everybody <laughs> um, but i had like a little elf hat and like an elf dress on and stuff <laughs> i love it right um and then we would do the white elephant uh gift exchange thing um, which was always super fun. Uh, one year I got a George Foreman and like a little George Foreman grill and I still have it. It is like my favorite thing I've ever owned. <laughs> <laughs> I be making grilled cheeses all the time. <laughs> um, and they would also do the, um, the, the, the pickle thing where they hide the pickle in the tree, but only for little kids, I think. Like they, the little kids have to go find the pickle and then they like get a gift or something what is this tradition yeah it's totally a thing my grandparents had a pickle for the tree and we were never allowed to hang it on the tree because it's for the game so they were like no you can't hang the pickle on the tree <laughs> but it was like my favorite ornament <laughs> you gotta like hide it in the tree and then like the kids find it and then you get like a gift i've never heard of this tradition <laughs> I like how I'm looking at my tree, like there's one on there. <laughs> Find the pickle on your tree, Haley. <laughs> it doesn't exist, let me tell it you. Exist. <laughs> um, and then after, like we would have dinner and all that kind of stuff and then people would start leaving a little bit later like, and we'd have like Christmas music or like movies on in the background. Um, and then, then we would go to bed and then obviously like Santa would come at night and put all the kit the gifts out and all that kind of stuff um and we would uh, uh go down in the morning and we would do like gifts mainly we would watch like my little cousins opening all their gifts because they get a lot of gifts um and like we would get gifts and all that kind of stuff too so it was super fun and then we would go we would have breakfast um my aunt's dad would come over and his wife um and we would have breakfast and it was super fun and we would go to my other aunt's house so my grandmother's sister or grandmother's side of the family would go there for dinner and my great-grandmother was there too um she just turned 100 this year (laughs) right (laughs) i think betty white just turned 100 i think my mom just said that yeah Um, yeah (laughs) yeah or she's turning 100 something like that um but we would go to my aunt's house and we would uh, have dinner over there and we'd hang out with my cousins. Um, and then we would go home a little bit later, like maybe around six or seven, something like that. Um, and then if we still had gifts at home, we would open those. Mm-hmm. And that was mainly my Christmas tradition. That's fun. Yeah. So... We both have a lot to do for Christmas. Yeah, this year it's going to be a little bit different. Like, uh, well, a lot different because I'm with my mom this year. Um, yeah. But she's going to do like mac and cheese and uh, ham and stuff like that. 
um, and then we'll do like uh, I think Christmas Eve it's just going to be us and then I think Christmas a couple people are going to be coming um, we might go over to the Moose Lodge uh, Christmas Eve and bring um, one of their friends a dinner I'm pretty sure I think that's what my mom was saying um, and then New Year's is uh, the bigger party that my mom's is going to have um and randy's part of like uh some biker groups so like i think they're gonna come over for like their, uh new year's day uh, party mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> it's gonna be fun i get to deliver cookies to a hospital <laughs> which i mean is amazing yeah i'm doing it i really do uh so i guess that takes us out of our personal family traditions mm-hmm. and now we decided you guys are gonna love this it's a treat we decided that for this very manic holiday um that we would tell you where the tradition of christmas itself comes from yes. we would take a little journey back in time uh, history.com <laughs> thank god for history.com speaking of god hey i'm good at the segues hey people jesus um born in the winter okay yes jesus was not born on december 25th (laughs) i hate to burst your bubble um but yes so long long before it was deemed jesus's birthday it was already being celebrated in scandinavia the norse celebrated yule from december 21st the winter solstice through january in recognition of the return of the sun fathers and sons would bring home large logs and they would set them on fire they were yule logs and um, they would feast until the log had burned itself out. And that usually took about 12 days. They believed that each spark from the fire represented a new pig or calf that would be born during the coming year. So this is where the 12 days of Christmas comes from. Wow, the more you know, right? The end of December was a perfect time for celebration in most areas of Europe. At that time of year, most cattle were slaughtered so they would not have to be fed during the winter. Sorry, I'm having so much trouble reading right now. (laughs) For many, it was the only time of year when they had a supply of fresh meat. In addition, most wine and beer made during that year was finally fermented and ready for drinking. So they're like, we just butchered everything. We've got so much meat. We've got so much wine and beer. Let's get drunk and eat. Right. Eat, drink, be merry. As you should. I mean, I support this behavior. Uh, In Germany, people honored the pagan god Odin during the midwinter holiday. Germans were terrified of Odin as they believed he made nocturnal flights throughout the sky to observe people and then decided who would prosper or perish. Because of his presence, many people chose to stay safe inside, which 
I mean, I would understand if that, you know, if that's what you believe, then I would also want to stay inside. It's kind of like that whole, um, I could be wrong, but like in the Bible, this, a similar thing happens. And I think that's what like, Easter, not Easter. Um, there's like a thing where like you had to like put a mark above your door. And then like, if you didn't have the mark, your firstborn was going to be like murdered by God. Yeah, I think it was like lamb's blood or something. Yeah. Um, in Rome, where winters were not as harsh as those up north, Saturnalia, a holiday in honor of Saturn, the god of agriculture, was celebrated. In mm-hmm. uh, the week leading up to the winter solstice and continuing for a full month, Saturnalia, it was a, it was a hedonistic time when food and drink were plentiful and the normal Roman social order was turned upside down. So once again, eat, drink, be merry. <laughs> for a month, enslaved people were given temporary freedom and treated as equals. That's a novel concept, you know. Uh, you know, just instead of freeing them all the time, we'll free them for them for a month. <laughs> uh, businesses and schools were closed so that everyone could participate in the holidays festivities. You know, if they're all happier during this time, why not? <sighs> Ancient times confuse me. The mentality. Oh, yeah. Also, around the time of the winter solstice, Romans observed Juvenalia. We're going to hope I said that right. Mm -hmm. A feast honoring the children of Rome. And in addition of upper classes, they often celebrated the birthday of Mithra, the god of the unconquerable sun, on December 25th. So, seeing where the December 25th comes into play. Mm -hmm. For some Romans, Mithra's birthday was the most sacred day of the year. So, as I said before, Jesus was not born on December 25th. Right. Like, whether you look at it from a historical standpoint or a religious standpoint, that's just not when he was born. So the Bible does not specifically mention the date of his birth. Um, So, but there is evidence that suggests that his birth may have occurred in the spring. Mm -hmm. And that is to do with the, I believe it was referred to as the Christmas star or the North star or something like that. I've heard it referred to as both um, Mm -hmm. when I've, heard of this but it's because they've tracked like the placement of where it would have been in the sky the year that it is suspected that Jesus was born or like the you know and um they found that his birthday I believe it's sometime I want to say May or June, mm-hmm. somewhere in there. So, reason a lot of, like Christian be, Chris, Christmas became such a thing too was because of colonization. Um, a lot of Christians wanted pagans to celebrate 
Christmas and become Christian. And like a lot of the time they were like, hey, we want you to, to be Christian. And they're like, well, we have all these cool holidays already. Why would we switch over? And they're like, actually, we have a similar holiday where you do the exact same thing on the same day. What a, what a queen. Yeah. <laughs> it says right here, it says Pope Julius I chose December 25th. It is commonly believed that the church chose this date in an effort to adopt and absorb the traditions of the pagan Saturnalia festival, first called the Feast of the Nativity. The custom spread to Egypt by 432 and to England by the end of the sixth century. By holding Christmas at the same time as traditional winter solstice festivals, church leaders increased the chances that Christmas would be popularly embraced but gave up the ability to dictate how it was celebrated. So in the Middle Ages, um, Christianity had pretty much wiped out Yule and Saturnalia and all of the other holidays that were celebrated at that time. And so on Christmas, believers would attend church and celebrate and get drunk. And it was very similar to Mardi Gras. Mm -hmm. um, each year, a beggar or a student would be crowned the Lord of Misrule, and eager celebrants played the part in this, played the part of the subjects. The poor would go to the houses of the rich and demand their best food and drink. If owners failed to comply, their visitors would most likely terrorize them with mischief. Christmas became the time of year when the upper classes could repay their real or imagined debt to society by entertaining less fortunate citizens. So, and then in the early 17th century, a wave of religious reform changed the way Christmas was celebrated in Europe. Oliver, Crom Oliver Cromwell and his Puritan forces, they just, they came in. You know, the Puritans, they just, they loved. They love doing this shit. So they, in 1645, they vowed to rid England of decadence and as part of their effort, canceled Christmas. Grinch. Yeah. Uh, by popular demand, Charles II was restored to the throne and with him came the return of Christmas once again. You can't kill <laughs> Christmas. You can't kill Christmas. The pilgrims, um, you know, the ones that came to America in 1620, they were... Um, even more orthodox than Cromwell. And so as a result, Christmas was not a holiday here at first. Uh, yeah. From 1659 to 1681, um, it was outlawed in Boston. It was illegal to celebrate Christmas. Um, anyone exhibiting Christmas spirit was fined five shillings. Um, I'm not sure what a shilling exactly equates to. Mm -hmm. But I assume you wouldn't want to pay it. Right. Uh, like, I would assume that sounds like it would be a lot. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, it doesn't sound like a lot, like, physically. But, like, if they're charging them for celebrating a holiday, I feel like it's probably way more than necessary. Because they love doing that. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> so... In Jamestown, though, uh, Captain John Smith reported that Christmas was enjoyed by all and passed without incident. 
Um, after the American Revolution, English customs fell out of favor, including Christmas. And Christmas wasn't declared a federal holiday until June 26th, 1870, which is still a long time ago, but it's not that long ago. Yeah. Then again, America's not that old in the grand scheme of things. Yeah. Um, so then, like I said earlier, um, in the 19th century, Americans began to embrace Christmas. They reinvented it, made it about, you know, family, shit like that. Um, the 19th century was a period of class conflict and turmoil. Um, unemployment was high and gang riding by the lower class um, often occurred during the Christmas season. In 1828, in the New York City Council instituted the city's first police force in response to a Christmas riot. Um, it catalyzed certain members of the upper class to begin to change the way Christmas was celebrated in America. So then 1819, Washington Irving wrote the sketchbook of Jeffrey Crayon. That does say crayon. Gent, a series of stories about the celebration of Christmas in an English manor house. The sketches, um, they had a squire who invited the peasants into his house. And um, the two groups mingled absolutely fine. They did perfectly well. In his mind, Christmas should be peaceful, warm-hearted holiday and bring groups together. Um, so St. Nicholas was born in Turkey around 280 AD. He gave away all of his inherited wealth and traveled um, helping the poor and sick. And he became known as protector of children and sailors. He first entered American popular. He, he liked Robin Hood, but not poor. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> in the late 18th century in New York, when Dutch families gathered to honor the anniversary of the death of St. Nicholas, Dutch, which it's just spelled different. Um, I like it. it's It's spelled fun. Or Sinterklaas for short, Santa Claus, uh, draws his name from this abbreviation. So, yeah, I've got some Christmas facts. Yeah. Uh, each year, 30 to 35 million cre real Christmas trees are sold in the United States alone. Mm. Um, let's see. Do you guys have a real tree? That's a real tree, right? What? The tree behind you? Yeah, it's a real tree. I thought so. But yeah, so that is um, the Christmas tradition and where it comes from. It's a stolen holiday. It is, it very much is. Um, we don't stand colonization. Um... However, I can understand if you still, you know, celebrate Christmas because it's, it's your tradition. 100%, go ahead and celebrate whatever the heck you want to celebrate. Right. Um, it's just helpful to know like where things come from. Right. 100%. There's nothing inherently problematic about Christmas. Right. Just like with like Thanksgiving, 
Um, it's not a good holiday. It doesn't come from anything good. But I like the whole, like, the being with your family thing. And that's what most people celebrate when they celebrate Thanksgiving. Yeah. Maybe give thanks. They don't sit there and t- talk about the pilgrims and how they killed a bunch of Native people. Um, maybe they should talk about it a little bit. But they don't talk about it. It's more of, like, a getting with your family holiday. Well, <laughs> Okay, this isn't the topic of today's episode, but my Thanksgiving tradition when my whole family comes to town is we eat a bunch of food, like way too much fucking food, mm-hmm. and then we debate politics. So- I, I know. So, like, a lot of people are like, don't talk about politics, don't talk about sexuality, don't talk about religion. Like, those are the three main things you're not supposed to talk about um, when you're like in group settings like that. But, like, they're the only things I really enjoy talking about, let's be honest. Um, and I'm not there to, like, just start arguments. I do genuinely enjoy listening to why someone might believe a certain thing, whether I believe it to be true or not. Like, I think it's kind of cool to listen to it, um, whether I think they're stupid or not. <laughs> Sometimes it's just funny. Yeah. So that takes us into your LGBT. Yes. Um, so. So. <laughs> <laughs> so. And there was this article that I had found. There was it was really hard finding like an article on like what exactly I wanted to look for, like what exactly I was looking for. Um, but basically, um, this is like the struggles of being LGBT during the holidays because it is already a stressful time for everybody um but kids who are stuck at home for longer like they can't go to school to escape their family or kids that are like not living people who aren't living at home or people that are like living on campus or whatever they have they don't have to but uh, a lot of people go home and see their families for the holidays which can really fucking suck um, when you're LGBT, especially if your family is like super homophobic or transphobic or whatever, or you're just not out to your family, um, which is pretty stressful too. Um, one of the main things that I noticed in this article was like they were asking, um, they, they were talking about the fact that like a lot of time if you see family that you haven't seen in a while, they'll ask you, hey, do you have a girlfriend or hey, do you have a boyfriend? Like it's very gendered. Um, and I, that makes a lot of people uncomfortable, like LGBT people uncomfortable because, um, they're completely forgetting non-binary people or don't know about non-binary people, or they're maybe asking the wrong gendered term or excluding like the fact that bisexual people might exist. Um, an easy way to combat that is like, say your aunt walks up to you and they're like, Hey, Kaylee, do you have a boyfriend? um and you can be like no actually I have a girlfriend not that you have a girlfriend but like if you did (laughs) (laughs) um no actually I have a girlfriend or no actually I have a non-binary partner um like it's an easy thing to do um but if your family is homophobic again that can be really stressful um and especially if you're not out to them or you don't want to come out yet um especially if you're younger and you are living at home. Uh, a lot of people will try to come out on holidays, which I think is a bad idea, but I get it. Like, it makes sense. Like, all your family's there and you want to tell them all at the same time. 
because um, it can be stressful to have to call everybody or text everybody and be like, hey, I'm going by Luca now. I'm using he, they pronouns. Please refer to me as such. <laughs> like, it's just kind of annoying sometimes, and then everybody will forget. But, like, <laughs> um, but, like, a lot of there's also the fact that a lot of people, if they're away at school or like if they're just not living at home in general, um, a lot of trans people will start to transition without telling their family. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you go to the holidays and obviously like you were very feminine before maybe and now your features are a lot more masculine and your voice is deeper. Like, <laughs> yeah. Um, that can be a little bit hard to explain. Some, like sometimes you can get away with just saying, oh, I just have a cold. Or you might have to say, hey, I'm trans. I'm transitioning. And there's nothing you can do about it. If you don't want me here, fuck you. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> and if your family's a dick, and like if, you, if your family sucks and they're transphobic and homophobic or whatever, you don't have to go home. Um, I know a lot of people want to, but you're... Like, if you can put up with it, then go for it if you want to. But if it's too much for you, there's no reason that you have to go home for the holidays. Um, you can start your own traditions. You, I'm sure you're, there's a lot of people whose friends may not also want to go home or can't go home or whatever the situation is. And you can start your own traditions or you can go volunteer at a soup kitchen or something and, like, do something else for the holidays. Um... Um, there are a lot of people who like some people's families are just blatantly awful yeah um, and will not invite you will not want you to come will um, threaten you or even harm you if you're in that situation please don't go home if you don't have to yeah Um, but like um, there are I think it's very common my family's kind of like this, where, like, it's not necessarily a bad thing. It's more of, like, an unspoken thing. Like, they just don't talk about it, and they pretend you're not trans, or they pretend you're not LGBT, which really sucks, but it is a more privileged situation um, than other situations, obviously. Yeah. Um, but going home after being, like, gendered properly by your family or your friends all the time and then going home and then your family is using the wrong pronouns or one name for you um or like expect you to wear a dress or something like that really sucks but sometimes there's nothing you can do about it or you can just not go but I, I i know there's like that whole one of my biggest like pet peeves is when people are like oh blood is thicker than water your family's really important, like, but it's still a relationship, and you have every right to not have a relationship with somebody. Yeah. Like, and it's hard, but yeah. if it's harming you and your mental health, and you're able to stop talking to them and stop interacting as much, go for it. And then there was um, a TikTok that I had seen. Mm-hmm. where um this guy he is trans and his mom was and a minor. they were also gay 
Yes, they are close. He's close to turning 18, I believe. Yeah, I think his profile said 16. So I don't know how close to 17 that is. Uh, like he is, but close to 18, close to being able to go to college. Um, but his mom was refusing to put his name on his stocking and it had his stocking had his dead name on it mm -hmm. and in the video you could hear his mom and his dad misgendering him and using crying in the video like it was it was so heartbreaking and that's just like another a lot of the times i think in the video they were doing this too but a lot of the times they'll be like parents or family or whatever will be like oh well i'm trying really hard and it's really hard for me too my my kid is no longer my kid anymore um i'm losing a daughter um which is really fucking stupid i'm sorry I'm, i feel like i'm saying a lot but <laughs> okay it's, it's really stupid like you're not losing a kid your kid is the same as they were before um maybe uh after they're out they're going to have a lot better mental health if you're not a dick to them mm -hmm. um and if you respect that and if you actually put in the effort like we understand as trans people we understand that it does take time and there is like a process to being able to call your kid a different name being able to call your kid by different pronouns like it's difficult sometimes um but when you sit there and you're like oh i'm trying and you like make a big deal out of it but then there's no effort that's visibly put in then it's it it's disrespectful yeah and it, it's it's hurtful yeah like i it's it's hard but like when you've known like when you know that's your child you know and you've had them a certain way for so long and you've seen them a certain way for so long mm. i understand that it's hard but it's not as hard as some parents make it out to be yeah and you know it's a lot harder for the trans person going through it than it is for right. you like it's a lot harder the uh amount of hatred that we've had for ourselves or maybe not always hatred, but like just dysphoria or whatever emotions that they're feeling. Um, and then you go to somebody and you want to trust them and then they don't react the way that you think they're going to react, like, which is fine if you have a certain reaction, but like if you're violent or you're hateful or you're just disrespectful, it's completely unnecessary. Like I get it if like maybe you don't support it or you don't understand it, but keep that to yourself. <laughs> and yeah. maybe re put your own research in. Yeah. Like it, it's not hard. Like if your kid, um, not to compare transness to like mental illness, like, because obviously being trans is not a mental illness, but if your kid had uh just some sort of mental health issue um you for the most part most parents would probably put the research in ask doctors what that is what it means how to help and all that kind of stuff so there's no reason you can't do that when your kid comes out as trans or non-binary or any form of lgbt 
Yeah. Hundred percent. Mm -hmm. Uh, today's case. Can you? Huh? You can't hear my chips when I eat them. Can you? Your chips? Yeah. No. Okay. I just want to make sure I'm not like making noise. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So today's case, we are going to be talking about a serial killer known as the Santa Strangler. So Adolf Theodore Londenberg was born in Lexington, Kentucky in 1926 to German immigrant parents. His father was a butcher and his mother died a few years after he, she had given birth to him, leaving his father to care for his son all alone during the Great Depression and World War II. When he was young, Adolf took to whittling as a hobby. He made these really unique walking canes out of the like salvaged wood and like it, it's a manzanita bush or a shrub. It's like red and like spiky and it's got like leaves. I don't know. People can look it up. Anyways, he would sell these for $10 or he would just give them away to people that he saw in town. Mm -hmm. um, in 1944, at age 18, he joined the Navy. It was while he was serving in the Naval Construction Battalion in Trinidad that he met the woman who would later become his wife, Annelle. The two of them fell in love, got married, and Adolf actually ended up adopting her son, Steve. Uh, the happy little family moved uh, to California when Adolf left the service and he got a job as a security guard at a steel plant. Before long, he switched gears a little bit and became a cab driver in the San Pedro area of California in the late 1960s. According to a friend of the couple named Jimmy Martin, the couple were an odd fit. He said that Annelle worked at a dance studio. She was very outgoing and health conscious. She liked to eat healthy and work out, whereas Adolf was more of an introvert. He didn't really like to dance or go out all that much. And they've said that he was pretty generous and kind, but he mostly kept to himself. Mm -hmm. uh, Jimmy Martin actually uh, was quoted as saying this of Adolf. He said he was always ready to help anybody who needed help. He would give people money who needed it. So it was Christmas of 1972 when Adolf Londenberg was on his usual night working as a cab driver and he picked up 43-year-old Lois Peach Petrie in, in his cab. Sorry, I'm like, it's so far away and I don't have my glasses on. <laughs> Lois was an alcoholic and she had recently lost her husband to cancer, actually. And so that night of, I mean, understandably, it's Christmas. She's an alcoholic. She just lost her husband. She was out at a bar drinking. Yeah. Um, so she got into Adolf Londenberg's cab to go home. He took her home like he normally would with any of his other clients. However, this night something changed. For whatever reason, he decided to go in after Lois, rape, and strangle her. 
he left her nude body laying on her bed and just went home to his wife and son. Police investigating her case collected all the evidence that they could. However, DNA testing wasn't really used in police investigation at this time because it wasn't that far advanced. It was the early 1970s. They didn't start using that stuff until the 1980s in police investigation. So they couldn't test it, but they collected the evidence anyways, and they stored it. They couldn't really find much else, and eventually the case went cold. Now, the murder of Lois must have satisfied Adolf for some time because it wasn't until two years later in August of 1974 that he struck again. Catherine Medina was 50 years old when she went missing on August 18, 1974. She had been out to the bar late that night and the two of them and her husband had gotten into an argument with her when he found her there. I guess she wasn't supposed to be there and he was mad at her for going and he like got her out of the bar and they were walking home. It was on this walk home that she ran away from him down the street and he saw her jump into a man with an unknown or jump into a van with an unknown man driving and speed off into the night. She was found the next morning naked in some bushes in Harbor Lake Recreational Park. She had been raped and strangled as well. Adolf's desire to kill again came back much faster this time, and he struck again only one month later. On September 4th, 1974, Ann Felch, a 54-year-old hot dog stand employee, was leaving a bar in the middle of the night. She was found a few hours later by a construction worker. She had also been raped and strangled. In April of 1975, 60-year-old Leah Griffith, a legal secretary who had been recently diagnosed with breast cancer, was out on a typical night drinking. Her body was found at a residential hotel in San Francisco. She had been bound, raped, and strangled. How old was the first victim? The first victim, Mm -hmm. she was 43. And then the second one was 50? Yeah, 43, 50, 54, and 60. That's so odd. Normally, like, it's, like, younger people that people go after. Well, I've seen it said that he went after people that reminded him of his wife. Okay. And how old was he? He, at this time, let's see, he was born in 1926. Mm -hmm. So in 1974, he would have been in his 40s. Okay. Right? Does that matter? I don't know. (laughs) No. He would have been in his 50s. Damn, he out here murdering people when he's old. (laughs) I don't know if he would have been his ex-wife at this point. We're getting there. Anyways. I would assume. Um, so, yeah, so all four women have been found raped and strangled. In the summer of 1975, 
Um, Adolf's stepson, Steve, his girlfriend, Jeannie, was coming to stay while she looked for an apartment for the two of them to share together. They were moving in together. It was a big step in their relationship. I think they were both around 18 at the time. And um, like early 20s, you know, 18, early 20s. Um, Steve was out of town at the moment, so Adolf picked Jeannie up from the airport and they were spending the t- like time together, like going around looking at apartments and stuff. She recalled that the, at this time, he seemed like a nice elderly fatherly man. Um, he took her out to all of her like apartment shopping and stuff like that and to like pick out the apartment with her. And uh, once she found a place, um, he took her to flea markets and different like like thrift stores and stuff like that. So that way she could get furniture to like, you know, get the house ready for Steve to come home. And yeah. she said that they had, you know, a really nice time. And she said that they must have like, I guess they got somewhat close to each other because she had apparently started calling him dad. Okay. Um, and this was his daughter-in-law, right? Well, at the time she was only dating the okay. um his stepson, but then she eventually married him. Okay. Um, but after a few days, all of a sudden Adolf started acting very differently towards Jeannie. It was less bothering. Anybody was curious. He was named Adolf before the World Wars. Mm-hmm. In case anybody didn't know that time frame, we googled it just to be sure. We we're like, that's that's an odd thing to name your child. He's not giving a good reputation to people with the name Adolf, though. Yeah, not that he's giving a good representation, but he was named before the wars. <laughs> so parents weren't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so. <laughs> Anyways, after a few days. All of a sudden, Adolf started acting differently towards Jeannie. It was less fatherly and it was more affectionate and flirtatious. He even apparently at one point told her that he was in love with her. Yeah. Adolf started leaving Jeannie love notes on her windshield. And of course, you know, she felt so weird about all of it. Uh, One of the notes... One of the notes said, Dear Jeannie, Dad loves you. Love, Dad. Mm-hmm. Which is so creepy. Yeah. A little bit before Steve was supposed to be home, Adolf took Jeannie aside and told her about the serial killer that was active in the San Pedro area. Mm-hmm. Jeannie didn't pay much attention to it. I guess she just kind of took it as like, oh, like he just wants me to be careful. He's just warning me. Mm-hmm. But Soon she realized that that's not what was going on. They were in the car one day alone together and Adolf turned to Jeannie and told her that he had murdered four women. He told her that three of the murders had taken place in LA and one had been in San Francisco. She asked, you know, like, what are you talking about? There's no way. And he said that he strangled and raped them. At first, she didn't believe him. She was like, there's absolutely no way that this man, this, you know, kind fatherly man could have done this until one day she saw him angry. She said that 
he started beating the car and screaming. So like I said, after this, she fully believed that he was capable of murder. Mm. And so Jeannie at this point was convinced that she would be his fifth victim. So at this point, Adolf, you know, she's trying to avoid him. So she starts spending a lot more time in the library to not be home alone with him while she's waiting for Steve to get back. Mm-hmm. And um, apparently at one point Adolf had revealed or had said to her that these he he considered these to be his four sins. Mm. Um, so anyways, like I said, she's spending a lot of time in the library to um, avoid him. And all the time that she's spending in the library, he's still leaving notes on her car windshield. He's saying things like, um, you know, like telling her that he loves her, begging her not to tell Steve about, you know, the fact that he loves her or the fact that he murdered four women. And, you know, of course she's like, no, I'm going to tell him. And so she does. She tells him and Steve, you know, believes her. He takes her to the police station. She reports it to the police, but the police don't really believe her, but they still got to bring him in anyways. Cause you know, yeah. it's a pretty big accusation. Yeah. And so they brought him in, they questioned him and he was very calm. He was very charming. He's charismatic. He answered all of their questions and he completely denied everything. And so the police just had to let him go. Um, you know, Jeannie just felt weird about the whole situation. She was uncomfortable, but she and Steve eventually got married. They didn't invite Adolf to the wedding and they ended up moving away. Mm-hmm. However, after a while, um, Jeannie got a postcard in the mail from Adolf saying that he was going to be coming into the area. And she also started getting love letters again. Mm -hmm. She began to fear to live her daily life. He tried sending letters, professing his love to her, apologizing for what happened, but obviously she was having absolutely none of it. But she said one day the letters just stopped. Mm -hmm. Uh, Jeannie and Steve eventually got a divorce and Jeannie moved again and tried to forget about all of it happening. Mm -hmm. Adolf went about his life and he, he was actually married to Annelle for 30 years um, before they divorced. Mm-hmm. Um, when, <laughs> it's kind of funny, though, because when they were having this conversation, Annelle confessed to him that she did not love him and also that she was a stripper. Which I can only imagine how that conversation went. Just, hey, sweetie, I've got something to tell you. I don't love you. And also, I'm a stripper. Like, how do you not know your partner is a stripper? Let's be honest. Like, he must have not been very perceptive. Right. So, after they divorced he moved to new orleans and then came back to california so now we're in 2002 Mm -hmm. 
and Adolf is a loving grandfather. He even dresses up and goes and plays the Santa at the malls for Christmas. Everyone in the town loved him. Mm -hmm. Uh, His stepson had remarried to a woman named Renee. And for a while, he went to stay with her and his stepson and their children. Renee and Adolf spent a decent amount of time together, just, you know, taking care of the children, hanging out with them, playing games with them, stuff like that. And like, he absolutely adored his grandchildren. He was reportedly an amazing grandfather. And apparently Renee herself even called him grandpa. Mm -hmm. One day when he was alone with her, Adolf confessed his murders to her as well. She also didn't believe him and she asked him to tell her how he had done it. He admitted to strangling them with his hands. Renee, uh, he said that he remembered seeing that he like watched them fight for their lives. Mm -hmm. And like just the like look that he had on his face when he was talking about it. She left the house and she called the police. She told the detective on the phone that what he had said and the detective realized that the details that she gave him were only details that could have been given by the killer and so the police set up a wiretapped phone conversation between Renee and Adolf where she would try and get him to confess or say something incriminating on the phone so police could arrest him On the phone call, she told him how she was so confused by what he had told her and that she's freaking out. She asked him if he regretted anything or had any remorse. All he said was, I take my problems daily to the Lord. She believed that she was next, just as Jeannie had. Mm -hmm. Pause. This caused police to reopen the case. And so they called up Jeannie to get her story one more time, you know? Mm-hmm. And so they asked Jeannie for a photo, a photo of Adolf from, you know, back in 1975. And when she found the photo, she found some pretty decent pieces of information. She found all of the love letters that Adolf had ever sent her over the entire time that he had been sending her the letters. She kept them? Yeah. Huh? She kept them? She kept them. That's odd. I'd keep them too. Would you? He confessed to murdering four women. Uh-huh. I'd keep them. That's valid for insurance (laughs) which is a good it's a good thing she did but um so anyways not only did she find the letters and the pictures she found her old date book in the trunk Mm -hmm. inside on one of the pages in summer of 1975 she wrote on one of the days dad confesses sins which was like a little code that she had written to herself which Mm -hmm. you know adds some credibility to her story yeah 
Detectives on the case went back to look for any potential DNA evidence and that had been collected in the cases. They found the files of Catherine Medina, Anna Felch, and Leah Griffin, which was the three last victims that we had talked about. However, the DNA was too degraded by this point to be able to run a full DNA test. And they couldn't find the files of Lois Petrie for a while because they were separated. There was like an issue with like the filing and a lot of the evidence had been destroyed at one point, like just evidence in general. Yeah. Um, which is weird. Uh, but they got called into this evidence storage room where they were told that there was a file cabinet that had evidence that hadn't been put into the computer system yet. And this is where they found the samples that were collected from the body of Lois Petrie. Okay. So, you know, of course they're terrified that they're gonna be far too gone to be able to be tested because the other ones were and they were later. However, they ended up getting a full DNA profile from this sample. However, they didn't have Adolf's DNA to compare it to. Mm -hmm. So they couldn't get it from him by, you know, just walking up to him and being like, hey, we need your DNA. Because in order to get DNA through like normal means, you need a warrant. Yeah. And other than that, it would have to be him willingly providing it, which he yeah. would do. And if he knows that you're onto him, he's going to run. Right. What made it even worse is that he lived in a mobile home and he was already living, you know, a, tra a more transient lifestyle. He was living all across the state of California. He would go here and here and here and here. Yeah. So they were having a hard enough time tracking him down as it was. They ended up putting word out on the street with like the homeless population and the drifters and stuff like that. And like letting them know, look out for this, you know, mobile home, look out for this man, give us a call, stuff like that. And so uh, one day they ended up getting, a, after three months, for three months, they had still been searching for him and they started to think, you know, maybe he's left the area until they got a phone call. It was a woman who had seen his trailer nearby and she ended up deciding to give the information, like the police's information to Adolf and he called them. Oh. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. The police came up with this story in order to lure Adolf into, you know, getting his dna wait 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 wait. so this lady sees like the mobile home of someone she knows is a murderer right did they tell that part or did they just say watch out i just think they said we are looking for this man but like either way you would assume maybe he's violent maybe like there's probably a reason that they're looking for this man so she just like walks up she's like hey the police are looking for you you should give him a call. <laughs> but I don't know. All I know is that he called them. So I walked up to this murderer's house. Hey, you should call the cops. They're looking for you. 
Maybe they got a Christmas present. I don't know. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> but <laughs> the police came up with this story that they wanted to talk to him about a bunch of car burglaries that had been taking place in the area. Mm-hmm. There were no car burglaries. Mm-hmm. It was all a ruse to get him there. And they had decided on meeting at a coffee shop. Mm-hmm. Now, this was perfect. What the police needed was for Loudenberg to take some sips of that coffee and then either throw it away in the trash can or just leave it on the table. Because yeah. then at that point, it becomes public property. Like he, it's not like they're taking the DNA from his home or right. from his possessions. He's just leaving it there and they're just taking it. Mm -hmm. so he met with the officer and they started to talk about these burglaries while they were sat there together this man looked at this officer and said you know I thought you were coming here to talk to me about these murders that the the murders of four women in the San Pedro area in the 1970s Mm -hmm. homie what (laughs) Does he want to get arrested? Like, is he, or is he just fucking stupid? He literally said, yeah, I thought you were coming to talk to me about the murders in San Pedro in the 1970s. How old was he at this point? Um, he was... In his 70s? He was, um... I have it somewhere. I think he was 80. Damn. Something. Damn. Hold on. I thought you were going to talk to me about these completely irrelevant murders that I have nothing to do with. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> okay, so. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> so at this point, the officer started to panic because he's like, fuck. He's figured me out. He's going to take this coffee cup. We're not going to get the DNA. But the officer was able to get him to not think that anymore, get him back on the car burglaries. They had their conversation. Conversation finished. And Adolf left the coffee shop. I just want to know how the cop got him to not think that anymore. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I couldn't find it. All that all that they said in my like research and stuff was that he just used his wit and like was able to convince him. I don't know, but he um, Adolf left the coffee shop without throwing away his cup. He had left it on the table. Okay, I thought you were about to say he took it with you, with him, and I was like, goddamn. <laughs> <laughs> no, so the officer he took this coffee cup and he took it home well he didn't take it home but <laughs> he took it to the police <laughs> precinct drank the rest of it uh. <laughs> uh. <laughs> so he took this coffee cup right and they tested it and it was an exact match to the dna found on lois patrie's body mm-hmm. 
So they ended up putting him under surveillance for a few weeks afterwards to try and see if they could collect any more evidence before they eventually arrested and interrogated him. As they were interrogating him, they had people searching his home. Um, He was very arrogant. He was of the mentality of like, oh, the police have nothing on me. Like, I'll get out of this, blah, 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 whatever. And so the police, they were like, oh, so what about your four sins? And he was, I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) And he was like, oh, so you didn't tell your uh, stepson's ex-wife, Jeannie, about your four sins? (laughs) And so then they brought up the DNA evidence. And he still kept denying having anything to do with it. And Mm -hmm. the detective said that he was like, I have all the evidence I need. I just want to know why you've done this. And to this, Adolf replied, can I tell you a reason why something happened you're saying I did that I have no knowledge of doing other than being questioned about it? Am I a stupid person? The detective responded that he had the truth on his side, to which Adolf said, okay, take it to the Lord and get me a lawyer. Mm-hmm. However, you know, despite- He confessed to it twice and almost the third time because he was like, I thought you were gonna talk to me about this. But regardless, of the fact that they didn't get a formal confession, they managed to charge him with the murder of Lois Petrie. Mm-hmm. They didn't have enough evidence. For the other thing? Yeah, because there was no physical like DNA evidence. Yeah. Um, police were absolutely stumped as to why he would have done this, and the townspeople actually thought that the police were framing him. Really? Like, yeah, people that knew oh, him. Yeah, they really liked him, right? Yeah, they were like, he's so nice, he's so caring, he's so generous. Like, I, I like people always say that about murderers. Not always. Not always, but a lot of the time. Like, yeah. on like, or like murderers or like any situation kind of like that, like you always see on the news, oh, they were such a normal person. Oh, I like them a lot. They were great. Murders their entire family. <laughs> Um, so then, um, in 2006, 34 years after the murders, the trial took place. He and Renee both took the stand and revealed to the court how he confessed his crimes to them 27 years apart from one another. Mm -hmm. The women had never heard of each other or met before this case. The trial lasted for three weeks, and after just one day of deliberation, the jury came back with the verdict that Adolf Laudenberg was guilty of first-degree murder and was sentenced to life in prison. Mm -hmm. Laudenberg never officially confessed to the murders. He was, um, however, he was also suspected of murdering two other women around the same time as the others 
55-year-old Irene Hind was the owner of Irene's Domer Club, and uh, which was a bar in San Francisco. She was a kind and generous woman who always wanted to help those that came into her bar. However, she was found raped and strangled on March 12, 1974. Mm. Maude Burgess, 83, was a retired woman who helped to manage the apartment building that she lived in in San Francisco. She was found raped and strangled as well. And there was actually a partial fingerprint that was found at the scene, but it wasn't a match for Adolf Lautenberg. So like I said, he's never officially been connected to either one of those two crimes. But yeah. um, murder, so either it was him or a copycat. Like they were just so similar that I thought that I would include them. Yeah. Um, and they were mentioned in one of the sources that I had found. Um, actually, a couple sources, I think. And you said there was a documentary, right? Mm-hmm. It's very. Yeah. And we can link that at the bottom of our, our uh, video. Yeah. I think it's just called like the Santa Strangler. Um, like a re-upload of a documentary um but yeah so he's never been officially connected to these two crimes and I like I said I don't think he was charged with the murders of Catherine Medina, Anna Felch, or Leah Griffin because of the lack of physical evidence however he did confess to them on two different occasions they just weren't formal confessions Mm -hmm. um Loudenberg actually tried to appeal the DNA evidence being used in the trial later on. He mm-hmm. said that it wasn't within their right to collect it in the way that they had. His team claims that the restaurant should have thrown out his cup when he left. However, the officer stated that once an item is discarded, it becomes public property. The conviction was upheld and he is still in prison to this day. He would currently be... 94 to 95 years old. Um, this is still alive. I would have died already. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, convicted of like murder at like 80 something years old. Um, as if I would even make it that old, I don't plan on it, but <laughs> um, but like you get convicted of murder and you're like the rest of your life is literally gonna be in jail. I would have just killed myself already, not gonna lie. <laughs> Right. Like what? But he's already lived much more of his life than his victims had. Yeah. Which is just, it's honestly just so sad. But yes, that is the Santa Strangler. um, Our very festive um, (laughs) murder for this episode. I know we said we were. You know that um, that audio that goes, it's like, it's a Santa song, but it's like, you better watch out, you better watch out, you better watch out. (laughs) (laughs) That makes me think of that. Uh, So, anything else for the podcast this week, Bestie? I can't think of anything. Oh, I guess um, let us know if you like the theme episode kind of business. Yeah, tell let us know in like the comments or whatever 
um if you prefer like this like themed kind of layout or if you prefer like our kind of more chaotic um little bit of everything layout right so we'll like probably go, we'll probably do a little mix of them but like let us know which one you like better right because um we both kind of like the idea of doing like some themed episodes yeah. because it kind of gives it a nice little flow and then it kind of makes us do things a little bit differently that's fun yeah. I really want to do one on like lore and like folk tales and stuff that might be our next one yeah we'll see about that one that's going to take a lot of research <laughs> yeah so yeah but we're gonna play around with it so just let us know what you want to see I guess give us recommendations ideas things you guys want to see it could be a podcast for the people <laughs> so I guess if that's all bestie mm -hmm. we should do the closeout thing what's our closeout um, Goodbye. <laughs> Bye. 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 Hey, happy holidays, guys. Oh, yeah. Happy holidays. Whatever ones you guys celebrate Christmas, New Year's, Hanukkah, Yule. Yeah, whatever it is. Whatever is and if you don't celebrate nothing, happy holidays, anyways. <laughs> with your family, you know? Or don't spend some time let with your friends. Let us know in the comments how your holidays go if you want to, or let us know your holiday traditions too. Yeah, put it down in the comments down below. That'd be a cute little thing. Tell us what you do. Yes. So we will see you guys on the next one. Yes. Bye. Bye.